Welcome back to one last bonus episode ahead of week one here at the Most Accurate Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle. And for today's bonus episode, the guest of honor, a New York Times bestselling author, the CEO of FantasyLife.com, Roto World's own, and of course, an Avenger. He is the great Matthew Barry. Barry, how's it going? John, it's good. I like I like that uh, it's not the John and John show. I mean, even though it is, but like I like that you guys have not decided to change the name of the John and John show. It is, uh, it's going, you know, listen, as well as can be expected, obviously. I'm, I'm adorned in Jimmy Buffett gear, obviously. Very sad about the loss of him this weekend. I'm a massive, crazy fan. Um, I know uh, probably John felt the same way when Tom Petty went down. Um, obviously, I know John is a massive Petty guy. I'm a Petty fan as well. Um, there's actually a really good Jimmy Buffett cover of Wildflowers, by the way. Oh. Uh, by the way, um, which he sings to his daughter, which is, anyway, it's a, it's a live version that he did. Um, and that's, uh, I think, a very underrated Petty song, by the way. It just occurred to me as I was sitting there talking. But otherwise, yeah, man, like, you know, gearing up. I have, uh, I have two drafts tonight. I have to fly to Kansas City tonight. And uh, so my flight leaves at 6. I have a draft at 7 and a draft at 9. I have not pre-ranked my players, so I don't know how that's going to go. I'm desperately hoping the Wi-Fi and the plane works, but otherwise, it's, uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. I've not had that, time to pre-rank my players. That is the life of Matthew Barry. And as you fly to Kansas City, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's what we want to get right into because football somehow is only 48 hours away. Paulson and I have discussed this throughout the offseason, so let's begin with the Lions' backfield which of course is missing 96% of last year's running back touches and production. How do you think these two players and David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs will fare? Do you think they'll play together? How have you been handling them all off season? Well, I'll tell you like, um, I, and I have said this and I think this is a semi-controversial, I mean, both these guys made my love list, right? Uh, Dave Montgomery did as did Jameer Gibbs. My expectation here is that what I've said, and I think this might be a semi-controversial take, which is I prefer David Montgomery at cost to Jameer Gibbs. That I believe, so first off, I think just kind of the easy, lazy analysis is, is like, oh, Gibbs is going to be the role from, is going to be the swift role and Montgomery's going to have the Jamal Williams role. I'm not sitting there saying David Montgomery's getting 18 rushing touchdowns again. But, um, but I do think that, like, I don't, I do think they drafted Gibbs to be a healthier, more dynamic version of what they thought they were getting in DeAndre Swift. And I do think they think Dave Montgomery is candidly a, a younger and, and better version of Jamal Williams. So I think they feel like they upgraded their running back room with sort of those two roles. I will tell you that um, anecdotally, what I've heard from people that have been at Lions camp is like Dave Montgomery is the guy they've using, they've been using between the tackles. Like Jameer Gibbs, my take is, is that Jameer Gibbs is going to get 12 touches a game. Now, they're going to be in space. They're all going to be, they're going to be, you know, they're going to mostly be receptions and they'll go for long plays. And DeAndre Swift, for all of his faults, was a top 15 fantasy running back on a points per game basis each of the three years he's been in Detroit. And so you think Gibbs is with a little bit more help and, and health and maybe, you know, an, a, a coaching staff that was all excited in the draft room to get him. So maybe, you know, 10 to 12 becomes 12 to 14 and you get excited, right? Especially because they don't have a lot in the passing game beyond. I'm on Ross St. Brown. But I just think Montgomery is like one of these boring guys. Gibbs is sexy, but no one likes boring David Montgomery, who when we look up a year from now is going to touch the ball 240 times and have 12 touchdowns. 
you know, and like I just so I I like I love both players. Both guys made my love list, but if you're asking me to pick one, give me David Montgomery at cost. And and um, to answer your question, Daigle, how I've been treating it is I've been drafting a lot of Montgomery because Montgomery is one of those guys as you get into drafts that I feel like is kind of in the there's like a lot of what I call cheap volume in the you know in the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. The James Connors, Cam Akers, David Montgomery, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, Brian Robinson, like a lot of these guys that I think are going to flirt with Damian Pierce, although he's risen up somewhat. But I think there's a lot of these guys that are on quote bad teams or non-sexy teams um, that you're going to that are all going to average between 15 and 20 touches a game. And Montgomery, fortunately for us, usually gets lost behind that shuffle of players. Paulson, have you made any week one adjustments for projections based on the recent reports of Gibbs being used, quote, in a different way? Because that could be good or bad. Uh, yeah, I was looking at my week one rankings and, you know, those comments, it's really hard to parse what he means by them. Like, it's just, we're not going to know how they're going to use Gibbs until week one is happening. And uh, but I think it's fair to say that he's going to see a pretty good workload, as Matthew said, high you know high scoring touches, and just to underline what Matthew's saying about Montgomery, I have him ranked 22, and he's going RB 30 off the board. He's been a massive value in in, in these early drafts or the, you know drafts all the way through August. He hasn't really moved, and that's on 11 projected rushing touchdowns. So there's some upside there as well with this excellent offensive line, excellent offense in general. And, you know, given all those touchdowns that Jamal Williams scored last year. Yeah, I just think that, uh, by the way, I mean, he's a guy that doesn't get hurt. I mean, I've just cursed him now. But, but I mean, like, but no, this is, a, I mean, like, seriously, Dave Montgomery, last year he had 15 healthy games. He got at least 15 touches. Um, he's had at least 230 touches and 1,000 yards from scrimmage. And every year he's been a pro. By the way, three straight years of a target share of 11% and over 300 receiving yards. So he's not a nothing in the receiving game. Like, he's not going to be Gibbs, obviously, but, like, He's not a complete and total zero. And so last year, Jamal Williams, 262 carries, right? We know about the rushing touchdowns, 17 rushing touchdowns, 38 goal to go carries. But DeAndre Swift, I don't know, DeAndre Swift played under 45% of snaps, right? And so I just think he's, John said it, like it is one of the best offensive lines of football. I think that's an underrated storyline about the Lions. And again, like they lost Hawkinson. Williams is at, like, they're going to be a run. Like for as much as we love the passing offense of, of golf. And I think on Thursday night, they're going to have to throw to keep up with KC. Like ultimately they want to run the ball. Like Dan Campbell wants to be like a, you know, we're going to bite your kneecaps off. You know, we're rough and tough. It's the NFC North. Rah, 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 rah. You know, like seriously, like they're like Montgomery's just going to be like a completely boring four yards of carry, but 22 touches a game, you know, like he's just going to be like, you know, not he's going to finish low in every efficiency metric, but he's going to have, you know, I think a lot of fantasy points. Um, uh, I totally I'm with you, uh, Paulson, in terms of like, yeah, just a massive value. And uh, I have an uncomfortable amount of David Montgomery on all my teams just because I, I've been going, you know, wide receivers early. And he's just always one of those guys that's always going too late. Let's talk about the other offense in this game, because people have a lot of decisions for week one with Kadarius Tony being limited to start the week. And then, of course, Sky Moore and Justin Watson and Marcus Valdez-Scantling reportedly being the Chiefs' three starting wide receiver sets. Chiefs GM Brett Veach even came out and mentioned that Rasheed Rice and Justin Ross are, quote, 
package players. And so how have you been handling, Barry, this conundrum all offseason? I've been mostly ignoring it, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I've taken some late flyers on Sky Moore. Um, but there's usually there's usually one there's usually at least one person in every league I'm in that is just like so so slobberingly high on Kadarius Tony that I'm just I'm not willing to take it where there's per- and I get it like and listen I will tell you talking to my sources in Kansas City they love Kadarius Tony you know but he can't stay healthy and now they're like well he's gonna play week one great and so my guess is is that they'll have a they'll have a package of plays. They'll have a very specific package, and it'll probably be like something, you know, potentially in the red zone. It'll be like a gadget play, and it wouldn't shock me at all if he scores a touchdown on Thursday night, right? But I also think he probably plays less than 20 snaps. And it's just one of those things that, like, you know, we saw it last year. There were moments where Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, had um, uh, had flashes, and, you know, every once in a while, you know, Valdez Cantley would catch a long one, right? You know, but I, I don't know. I just – I feel like – Sky Moore is the one guy that I could – if Kadarius Tony is healthy, I don't mind a late-round flyer on, on Tony because the upside is obvious. But in terms of how I've been handling it, I've mostly been ignoring it because Kadarius Tony goes in an area where there are – there to me, there are safer and better flyers. He always goes too high for me. So I prefer Sky Moore at cost. And um, if I have a piece of the Chiefs passing attack that isn't Mahomes or Kelsey, it's usually been Sky Moore. The rest of the guys I've been ignoring. And I still get PTSD on any reports from Kadarius Tony since that's what we received before the Super Bowl. And then he proceeded to play six snaps. Paulson, any adjustments for you with Tony and Sky Moore, given that we're at least expecting both to be out there? Yeah, it, Tony's a tough person to rank on a weekly it's basis awesome. because he's so uh, so efficient. So his, his yards per route run were so high. He's a threat to score a touchdown, as Matthew alluded to. Uh, so... I think he is sort of startable, but then it's more of a flex wide receiver three, wide receiver four type play. And it depends on, you know, who your other options are. I, you know, as this offseason has worn on, Sky Moore has risen in the ranks. He's having a good uh, camp and does look like he's going to to play starter snaps. I think that's the big question with this, you know, KC offense and his receiving core is like, who's going to be the starters? Who's going to be out there 70, 80% of the snaps with Patrick Mahomes? And who's going to start garnering these targets that Juju Smith-Schuster uh, has, has vacated? And I think Sky Moore is the best candidate right now to do that. I think he's got the most talent, by the way. Cut to Thursday night when Richie James is, goes six for seventy and two for touchdowns. Sure. Right? You know yeah. what I mean? Like, right. um, but but you know, like I, he goes around. I've seen this in drafts where he'll go in the, and these are all guys that are rising up a little bit, so maybe not as recently. But I've seen I've seen people take. Kadarius Tony over like Jordan Addison or Cortland Sutton or JSN or, you know, Quentin Johnston or Jacoby Myers, you know, and like, you know, all Zay Flowers. I've seen him go ahead of guys like that or in that range where I, you know, I feel much better about taking a shot on any one of those players than I do. You know, all of them are upside plays other than Jacoby Myers, who is just kind of, you know, solid, solid production. But, you know, I don't know. I just, and I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think to John's point, like, I think a year from now, we'll look back and we'll be like, oh, remember those, those, those Kadarius Tony games? And we're like, yeah. But then, like, remember when you predicted those Kadarius Tony games? And you're like, no. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, they just, you know, it's just knowing when those games are going to come are going to be really hard because, again, they just, you know, like, 
like, you know, you think, well, ah, well, look at all these snaps and look at all these routes and look at all these targets. Kadarius Tony is like, I'm in on Kadarius Tony this week. And then cut to like, it's like, you know, two shovel passes to Noah Gray from the third yard, three yard line. And like, you're just, we're, what are we doing? We're all, we're all still certainly chasing that high of his two drives against the Cowboys as a rookie. That's what he continues moving on. Uh, Travis Kelsey also, a very important player in this game. And we don't need to talk about him. He's so important because everyone's going to start him. But Paulson and I have argued, Barry, all offseason and debated who we think the player behind him in the next couple of tiers is going to be the one who can actually overthrow him. So between Mark Andrews, T.G. Hawkinson, Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, maybe another option off the top of your head, do you have a favorite among that tier? I mean, I, I rank them exactly, Daigle, exactly how you just said. Like, I have I have Andrews at two, Hawkinson at three, Waller at four. My approach to tight end has been basically one of those guys, or I want to wait. Like, I'm nervous about Kittle this year. Um, I have no shares of Kyle Pitts. May, you know, and maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe Kyle Pitts will be what we all think thought he was going to be. But I just, like... He couldn't get any targets last year, and they just added Bijan Robinson. Like, I, I, I don't know, Arthur. You know, I don't know what Arthur Smith's going to do. But like, you know, I, I see so many people talking up Drake London, and and Kyle Pitts, and maybe one of them does. But I mean, just like we don't know yet that Desmond Ritter's any good. We think he's going to be a better. We think he's going to be better than Mariota, but we don't know for sure. The one thing I feel really confident in is that Bijan Robinson is going to touch the ball twenty times a game. And because it's Arthur Smith, I feel like Tyler Algier is still going to touch it 8 to 10. And then you add in like four or five annoying touches for Cordero Patterson. And I just like, it's hard to me, John, you know, when you do your productions, Paulson, I mean, I, you tell me, like, I, it's hard for me to find a, a route to seeing like eight plus targets a game for both Drake London and Kyle Pitts, you know, on what I think is going to be a slow paced offense that is not going to be particularly pass heavy. I think they're going to be, you know, I think they're going to be the run heaviest team in the NFL. Yeah, I would say I'm not high, but I'm bullish on London. He's been playing starter snaps in the preseason. I'm low on pits. I'm just like you. I don't have any uh, shares of him. I've got him at nine, so I don't ever get him at that point. I mean, I would only draft him if he fell way past ADP. Um, and just because he's been limited in the preseason snaps, we saw what happened last year. Uh, he just wasn't that involved. I just don't have any confidence in Arthur Smith, you know, featuring him at any measurable level to, to justify the ADP. So he's just, his ADP to me has been out of whack. It's just all bet on talent. And uh, we just don't know what this role is going to be until we actually see it happen. Yeah, I, exactly. I always say, you know, one of my use, most used phrases, fantasy success is very simply about two things, talent and opportunity. We don't question Kyle Pitts' talent, but we do question the opportunity because, candidly, it hasn't been there, at least relative to ADP, the last couple of years. And if I'm a year late on Kyle Pitts, I'll be a year late on Kyle Pitts. But I'm just like, I much prefer Goddard. I much prefer I much prefer waiting a few more rounds, like Fryer. I much prefer Fryermuth. I much prefer, prefer Tyler Higby, who I think is going, you know, I mean, like, again, like, Tyler Higby's going to flirt with, like, a 25 to 30% target share. And, by the way, if this Cooper Cup injury is more serious than we think it is right now, like he could have a 30% target share. Like they last year, I think he had a 22% target share off the top of my head. So, I mean, like, I, I don't know. I just, um, but in terms of, so I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't Andrews all this, you know, he hasn't practiced for six days. So Andrews makes me a little nervous for week one, especially considering they're playing the Texans at home. I mean, the Ravens are at home um, and they're 10 point favorites. Like if you're John Harbaugh and you're just like, you know, like, 
I think we could do it. You know what, Mark? Take it easy for one more. You know what I mean? Like, if we can't beat the uh, Ravens, we can't beat the Texans with Isaiah Likely, then we're pretty screwed here. Like, I, so, um, so Andrews makes me a little nervous, but I have Hawkinson at three. I have Waller at four. If Waller stays healthy all year long, I think he's got a shot because he will be the, he's, he is like Andrews and Kelsey. He's one of the few guys that you can say is a tight end that legitimately has a shot to lead his team in targets, receptions, and receiving yards. Higby, by the way, if Cup's injury is, is real, is one of those other guys. But the rest of them, I guess Kyle Pitts, if something were to happen to Drake London, but like, I don't know. For the most part, there's very few guys that you, you know, like you can't say that about Kittle. You can't say that about Hawkinson because of Jefferson. Like there's, right? You're not, you know, you don't see that about anyone else. More memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best views of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. You can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. And to your point as a late round tight end, yes, Higby did lead the Rams with a 24% target share with Cooper Cup off the field last year. Speaking of talent and opportunity, there are some major offensive changes going on in Indianapolis. We know, of course, they have the talent in Anthony Richardson, number four overall pick. But where do you see this opportunity flaring out to? Are you high on Michael Pittman this year? How do you think the backfield is going to be handled now with John Taylor out and unknown amount of time. What are you doing really with this offense? Mostly ignoring it. I don't mind. I, like I, I drafted Michael Pittman in a guillotine league um, only because I think there's a floor there with Pittman just because he's going to get such a massive target share. And no matter how inaccurate Richardson may be like at some point, like it's just like, but I don't like, he's not somebody I've been targeting quite a bit. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so I think, I think Pittman becomes a value at some point because I've seen him just drop so far in drafts. And I think he's going to um, – he just – there's a level of uh, – there's a floor with Pittman because of his talent and just what I expect the target share to be. But otherwise, like, no. Like, it's just – like, I don't love the offensive line. Um, think about this. Whatever you think of Zach Moss, Evan Hall, Deion Jackson in the Colts' backfield, I think we can all agree none of them are Jonathan Taylor last year. None of them are going to be as good as Jonathan Taylor last year. Jonathan Taylor was like the 17th best running back on a points per game basis. Like Jonathan Taylor was not Jonathan Taylor in capital letters last year. So you, what you have in Shane Steichen is a guy that has publicly said, we, we actually played the clip on my show. I just got off the air of fantasy football happy hour, which is my show that I do every day and the, and my podcast. And we played the clip of Steichen from the podium where he just said, yeah, it's going to be a running back by committee. We're going to play the hot hand a little bit. But, you know, he came from Philadelphia. What do they do in Philadelphia? Committee, right? You know, it's Miles Sanders. Now it's Boston Scott. Now it's Kenneth Gainwell and Jalen Hurts, obviously. So now you've got, like, a coach with running back by committee tendencies. He's publicly said it's going to be a running back by committee. You don't have anyone in that backfield at the moment that demands touches. You know, you're like, well, we've got to figure out a way to keep get Deion Jackson the ball all the time. And by the way, probably the best quote unquote runner in that backfield is Anthony Richardson. 
Like when they're getting close, their best shot at scoring is likely Anthony Richardson on some sort of, you know, RPO where he either keeps it or he, he tosses it. So, you know, I just, if you're desperate in week one, I don't mind Deion Jackson. I think he'll probably be a popular DFS play, you know, just based on his salary and everything like that. But like, I don't know, like when Zach, assuming Zach Moss is out, but you could see a scenario where Evan Hall, who was a really good pass catcher in college, and then Zach Moss, who's, you know, they traded for last year, becomes Zach Moss and then Evan Hall on third down. And or Deion Jackson gets, I, I don't know, it's just, it feels, it feels desperate and chasey to me. You know what I mean? Like, I know Deion Jackson was good last year, but like in the little limited time when he filled in for Jonathan Taylor, but it just, I don't know. I don't, I don't love the vibes there. To close that loop, Paulson, there probably are people out there who went zero RB and they stay have Tank Bigsby, Jalen Warren, someone they may be trying to jam in as an RB2 just based out of necessity. But I think in that case, as Barry was mentioning, that's where Deion Jackson, that's where Evan Hole come in because they're probably still guaranteed more touches than those two individuals who we still think have higher ceilings long term. Yeah, this is, I mean, especially week one with Zach Moss out. I think if, you know, they they showed us that they liked Moss late last year. Now the the wild card is Evan Hall coming in. Uh, you know, how do they view him versus Moss? But it does, does seem like Moss was ahead of Deion Jackson as of last year, but he's been injured. So he's, you know, how, how good a shape is he in? Yeah, Matthew. I was just, the only thing I was going to say, Paulson, is it's a new coaching staff. It was weird last year with Deion Jackson. That's true. Right? That's so, true. I mean, like last year, Last year, Deion Jackson filled in. He filled it. He came in for Jonathan Taylor on a Thursday night game. He was great. And then the next week, uh, he played, and I think he had like 20 fantasy points, and it was like awesome. But then, like later in the season, um, they trade for Zach Moss, and uh, you know whatever Taylor's out again, and they go to Zach Moss, and Deion Jackson like gets in some sort of hissy fit or something like that. There were all sorts of varying reports, but some version of like. Deion Jackson was upset that, like, he's like, hey, I was good last time. Why didn't I get, why am I not going to get to start this time? And they're like, we feel, I don't know. Who knows what happened? But there was clearly, like, the, the old coaching staff was like, yeah, Deion Jackson, sit down. We're start playing Zach Moss ahead of you. But um, so, so, you know, who knows? Which, you know, we don't know if, if, you know, Deion Jackson has a chance because I think Zach Moss won't play week one and Evan Hall's a rookie. And so my guess is that Deion Jackson gets an opportunity to show that he can, quote, be the guy. So, like I said, if I had to play a Colts running back week one, I'm playing Deion Jackson, and then we'll see what happens. But um, I'm not convinced Zach Ma I'm also not convinced he's not. But I'm just saying, like, it was so weird last year that I think if Deion Jackson balls out on Sunday against the Jaguars, there's a chance he keeps the job. But there's still and it's still going to be somewhat of a committee. You know, like even, yeah. even uh, the whole thing. As I, as I mentioned in the waiver column on the site right now, Deion Jackson also hasn't handled 200 touches in any season since high school. So yes, we are, we are all in agreement. He's an RB three short term, but that's why it's so complicated. And we're all talking each other in circles because he's not the type of player we want to bet on long-term either since he's never been that type of player. So it's just hard to gauge how to handle him for week one. You also talked about Shane Steichen quite a bit there. Another problem people are having is with Philadelphia's backfield. So between DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, Kenneth Gainwell, who have you been taking shots on there? Yeah, I mean, honestly, but by the way, we brought that point up. My my co-host, Jay Croucher, brought up a great point. He goes, listen, we've been sitting here trying to figure out the Philadelphia backfield, and that's at least a backfield behind a good offensive line on a good offense. Like, you know, if we can't figure out Philly's backfield, 
Why are we going to sit here and try to figure out the Colts backfield? You know, like anyway. But um, so I have I have a few shares of each one of those guys, but all late. You know, like I, I prefer Gainwell just at cost. I, I don't think Gainwell probably finishes with the third least, the third, the third amount of fantasy points. Like Penny and Swift are probably ahead of Gainwell, but I just think that all three are going to have a role, and Gainwell is going so far beyond those two guys that. You know, like, so Gainwell, you know, uh, is somebody that I have some shares of. I also have some Rashad Penny. I know everyone's in on DeAndre Swift or everyone thinks like um, DeAndre Swift, you know, if he stays healthy, blah, blah, blah. And, and Penny's reportedly running with like the fourth team and, you know, whatever. I None of those guys are my starters. So it's just a matter of like, does one of these guys emerge? We have all seen, you know, what you hang on to with Rashad Penny is that those final five weeks of two years ago, when he was literally like the number one running back in fantasy down the stretch for Seattle, we were finally like, oh, oh, that's the guy they spent the number one pick on so many years ago. And so, again, behind that offensive line, if he could get Miles Sanders' workload from last year, that's a huge if. And if he can stay healthy, another huge if, you know, it sort of sky's the limit. My issue on Swift is they don't throw to the running back, or at least they haven't previously. That offense, they just don't – that. Hertz is more likely to tuck it and run than he is to dump off to his running back. And so if Swift isn't getting passing volume, you know, I mean, Swift got, you know, just a massive target, you know, like, a, you know, off the top of my head, I want to say, like, he had at least 45 receptions each of his three years in Detroit. Swift did or each of the last three years in Detroit. Just, It's hard for me to see him getting 45 receptions on the Eagles, just the way their offense has. We've seen the offense under Sirianni. I guess Paulson, the onus was on you to rank them for week one, not on me. So how did you sift through them against the Patriots? Well, I'm still, I'm still sifting. Uh, I think, you know, Penny looks like he's the third option right now. Gainwell seems like the steady option. The thing that gets, uh, and I like the, I like the call that Matthew made about Gainwell with, you know, being the third one off the board and, you know, he outplayed in terms of snaps, you know, uh, Miles Sanders, uh, in the playoffs last year. Uh, so they do have a lot of confidence in them. I do like uh, Sirianni wearing the t-shirts that are pro Gainwell to press conferences. I think that gives me a little bit of a boost too, but I think what's going to happen is either Swift or Penny are going to get injured. The other one's probably going to see a big workload th that week. Gainwell's just going to keep chugging along with his eight to 12 touches per game. And if they, if one of those two are healthy, Swift or, or Penny, then they'll likely have the, you know, the lead back role and be very productive. I mean, Penny was uh, even less, early last season had a huge two touchdown game over hundred yards, rushing six yards per carry last year. I thought heading into the season that he was going to take over that Miles Sanders role, but it just seems like they, they want to run swift first, then gain well, and then maybe Penny coming in as the third option. But I think what's going to happen is there's going to be some attrition here. And uh, then we're going to have some blow up games from either swift or Penny. And if they're both hurt, then I think Gainwell and Boston Scott suddenly, look like viable starts. And finally, Barry, we also here have discussed our favorite late round quarterback throughout the season. And I think Paulson and I came to a conclusion having competed in so many 12 and 14 team leagues that Geno Smith is the one in one quarterback leagues to always fall. But if he does not, Sam Howell is then our favorite for the rushing upside. What about you beyond that top tier quarterbacks? Who is your favorite late round quarterback of 2023? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think those are some really good ones. I mean, I think I think G Gino is perennially underrated. 
uh, not perennially, but I think very, you know, I think too many people think last year's a fluke. Like, and I don't, I don't think last year was a fluke. So I'm with you guys on that. I've seen Daniel Jones go late too. Like just, I mean, like, again, like I've talked of Daniel Jones somewhat in terms of second year in the system. They've added weapons for him. I also think there's a mental piece to this in terms of, you know, like, I think one thing that gets lost in a lot of fantasy football analysis is that they're players and that they're human beings. And, and, and a football team is like any other business. There are politics, there are internal politics, there are relationships, good relationships, bad relationships, just like wherever you work, wherever everyone works, there are people you like at work and there are people that you just tolerate because you have to work with them, that kind of stuff. And so that a football team is like that. And, and football players are human beings with egos and tempers and, you know, and issues their own, right? And so I think about Daniel Jones, who last year at this time, you know, was walking into a building that, like, they didn't pick up his fifth-year option. He's got new bosses, right? Brand-new coach, brand-new general manager. They, they didn't do anything in the offseason. It was sort of like, listen, we think we're going to suck this year, and we're not adding anything to you. And we didn't – you can prove it to us, Daniel Jones, but you're a you're a, literally a first-round pick quarterback and we're not picking up your fifth-year option. That's a pretty big, you know, F you. Um, and so he walks into the building, you know, basically, I wonder if I'm going to have a job a year from now. Am I still going to be in the NFL? Am I going to be – you know, you know, looking for backups jobs, you know, in a year. Then he goes out, has a great year, buys into day ball system, leads them to a playoff win on the road, gets the big contract, right? And so now he walks in a building knowing I'm the man. This is my team. This coach and general manager have my back and they've proven it by putting a lot of money in my pocket, right? And oh, by the way, then they went on and they got Darren Waller and they drafted Jalen Hyatt and they, they added, I think, every slot receiver in the NFL's uh, history, right? I mean, like they just added a billion different guys and we'll see who emerges, but they've done some things in this offseason to try to improve this offense. So I, I think Daniel Jones is somebody that just goes uh, way too late. I really like Jared Goff as well. We've talked about this. Jared Goff last year in games where he played indoors, averaged over 20 fantasy points per game. Seven of his final eight games are indoors this year. So when you're heading to the fantasy playoffs, one of the games is like a December 30th game at Dallas. So that's a retractable roof if you want to be technical, but the roof will be closed. But we, the expectation is seven of his final eight games will be indoors. So I like Jared Goff. And, you know, you, you guys mentioned, you guys mentioned Sam Howell. You've talked a lot about Sam Howell. I'm guessing on your show. That's my guy. I refer to him on my show as future hall of famer, Sam Howell. Everyone thinks I'm a homer, which I am because the commanders are of course my team, but because I'm so high on Howell this year, I have a lot of shares of Howell across my leagues. They're like, yeah, you're just a homer, Barry. And I'm like, no, like Sam Howell had more rushing yards his senior year in college than Anthony Richardson did. Like people don't understand that. Like he had over 1,100 rushing yards. Um, and uh, so, you know, and he's surrounded by a good skill set player. And I think the enemy's going to want to be aggressive in terms of play calling. So, you know, the McLaurin injury makes me a little nervous, but assuming health with McLaurin, Dotson, Curtis Samuel, whoever their tight end is, whether it's Cole Turner or Logan Thomas, the running backs. I'm excited about Sam Howell. But since you mentioned Sam Howell, I'll give you one other, and that's Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, who has looked lights out this preseason, I think 13 to 15, 199 yards and two touchdowns as a starter this year, went 7-2 and two as a, at, towards the end of last year. Everyone's talking about how the Lions ended the year last year. No one talks about how the Steelers ended the year. And again, same thing. Kenny Pickett, you know, can get you 20, 30 yards of rushing a game. Like, he's not... He's not Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, but he's not he's not a nothing in the run game. Um, 
We like Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. I talked to Pryormuth earlier in the show. I actually think Allen Robinson, the ghost of Allen Robinson, as the slot receiver, actually is kind of interesting for Pittsburgh because I think that, I think he's a size mismatch there. Having more Jalen Warren out there, give me some Kenny Pickett. Like that's the other guy that if I don't get Howell, that's the that's the late round quarterback I like a lot. No one probably needs to know. They've been living under a rock if they can't find you, Matthew Berry. But just in case, tell everyone where they can find all of your amazing work. So, uh, you know, I'm, you can follow me on, uh, you know, on social media. I'm at Matthew Berry TMR, all forms of social media, except the Fantasy Life app, where I'm merely at Matthew Berry. And, of course, my day job over there at NBC Sports, Fantasy Football Happy Hour, Monday through Friday, noon Eastern, live on Peacock and then available on demand on Peacock, on the NFL and NBC YouTube channel, uh, and wherever you get your podcast. This Sunday, fantasy football pregame, Sunday morning, 11 a.m. to 1 o'clock Eastern. We we got it 11 a.m. right up to kickoff. That's on Peacock. And then, of course, football night in America. So I'll be in Kansas City Thursday night for the pregame show between the Chiefs and the Lions. And um, there may or may not be an Amara Ross St. Brown bet. Um, I'll just leave it that on Thursday night. And then, uh, then Sunday night, I'll be back in Stanford, Connecticut again for football night in America before the, uh, uh, Cowboys giants game on NBC. And we will be back on rotoworld.com and all my rankings, love, love, hate hundred facts, all my rankings, 10 list of 10 drafting manifesto. It's all available for free on NBCSports.com or rotoworld.com. Your old home, John Daigle. Absolutely. It seems like everyone's gone through there. The Belichick coaching tree of fantasy sports. And we will be back on this channel tomorrow, Wednesday, 1230 p.m. Eastern for our first preview show, weekly preview show moving forward. Until then, you already know. Be a little bit kinder than what's required. We'll see you next time.